You're listening to episode number 238 of the 360 Vegas podcast. Check out the blog at 360vegaspodcast.com, or you can send us an email at 360vegaspodcast at gmail.com. You can support the show financially when you shop at Amazon. Simply go to the blog, click on the corresponding banner, and go about your shopping. It's that easy to give us money without giving us money. Or you can just give us money, and you can do that by donating via PayPal. A link to that is also available at 360vegaspodcast.com. Warning. The hosts enjoy doing the show, and as a result, they laugh a lot. If you don't like that, please don't listen. We really don't care. Day after tomorrow, gentlemen. We'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pool's the casino. Big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Bellagio. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesars Palace, is it? I want to gamble. They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The Strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. Welcome, sir. Welcome back. Tony. You, were, you were missed. Thanks, guys. It's nice to be back. I, you don't really appreciate just how much fun it is to get to just hang out with you guys, talk about Vegas. You know, kind of bullshit with each other and try to make everybody laugh until you're away from it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And um and and I'm like, man, like it just you, you really do miss it, even if it's just the the hanging out and the chit chatting that we'll do either before or after our immediate recording, or sometimes as Karen will so snarkily point out on Twitter, the side conversations <laughs> we have in the middle of our podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, that last one was. I'm looking at how long the show was, and I was like, oh, my God. And then I start listening, and I'm like, oh, boy. The boys don't have anybody wrangling them tonight. (laughs) And I'll tell you what's funny about it, too, Karen, is looking back on it now, I'm like, I I don't understand why that seemed weird. We we had a great conversation. But I bet you if I would actually have listened to it, I'd be like, holy shit, Tony. (laughs) Reel that in. Who cares? What are you talking about, dude? And it's it's funny. I told people in that episode, this is a couple episodes ago when it was just Tony and I and Karen was out. And I'd said on on Twitter that I cut a good 20, 25 minutes out of it. And people were kind of complaining like no no we want to hear it i'm like you did hear it you heard all of it i go it was one of those drunken rambles where (laughs) we would continue to say the same shit over and over and when you're sober the next morning you're editing going jesus christ dude we already fucking said we already exactly said this (laughs) that is all i cut out of that episode just just two friends having a good time arguing the same points that both agree on (laughs) (laughs) for extended period exact sort of bar talk exact sort of bar talk (laughs) like solving all the world's problems over and over and over and over again it's like i was telling you man (laughs) good time oh that is funny well i'm glad to be back and we've certainly got plenty of uh news to talk about so unless you've got something you wanted to intro with i'm ready to rock and roll nope that was it He's Mark, she's Karen, I'm Tony, and as always, we start with Random Vegas. 
When the Mirage opened, the villas became an immediate success with high rollers and celebrities. Michael Jackson set up house in one of the $3,000 per night suites, and as Steve Wynn's special guest, was permitted to swim with the dolphins. Before Michael Jackson's alleged child abuse scandal, he and Wynn were frequently seen together. Jackson was often at Wynn's side for interviews and photo opportunities. The two were reported to be in talks to create a family-themed attraction featuring Jackson at the Mirage. However, that was all put on indefinite hiatus and eventually scrapped after the pedophilia scandal broke and the two stopped appearing in public together. Got that from the book, Running Scared. Interesting. It is interesting, and, and I can see why. But if think about it. Right when that was all kind of taking place, that was really when you were seeing Vegas target that family-friendly oh, yeah. era. <laughs> so, so maybe having a, an alleged pedophile as uh, one of your common visitors to your property might not have been a when good When did that come <laughs> out, though? Because if you think about that, you know, the Mirage opens at the end of the 80s. You know, so you have to imagine he's hanging around that place around the, you know, the early 90s, all that stuff. I don't think that shit broke till like, what, the late 90s, maybe 2000s? I think there were a couple different... Um, but I mean, I mean the one where they were where like, he was on we trial? need to see your dick. You know, like where, when it was like, when he was on trial, remember he did the whole video thing and he was like, it was not me. I, I can't believe it. it's, it's so humiliating. I think that's, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was the first one for, for all I know. Maybe it was the first time he was accused of like, oh, you need to move along there, buddy. A quick Google search res, uh, shows that there was a trial people versus Jackson in 2005, which seems awfully recent, yeah. but I guess in the world of 24-hour media, I guess maybe that does make sense. Well, and that doesn't mean that isn't... That's not when the accusations first came out. That's just when it got to trial, so it may have... Because I feel like there were several accusations before they actually, like, arrested him. Like, they never got enough evidence. Because didn't he settle one of them? Yeah, there were things before that, but I think all of those were more like um, the National Enquirer kind of shit. Like, nobody really kind of bought a whole lot into it until that that big one happened and then ever since then everybody's like yeah we don't fucking trust you at all yeah wikipedia here has a 1993 child sexual abuse accusation like timeline which would have been early 90s and that makes perfect sense because if that's what i mean that's right around where treasure island's open and you would think when just being a savvy businessman like anybody that's even remotely related to something like that i could see them going yeah we can't be we can't hang out anymore yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about the Twit Pick of the Week. Looking like the greatest Christmas light display ever created, mixed with awe-inspired tunnel vision, this week's winner, shared by at Rondo Shadow, a photo by Vincent LaForest, showcases a glorious aerial view of Vegas and the Strip at night in what looks like miniature model train scale. Here's hoping Vegas reattempts to break into the family market again, if only for the collectible toys, Legos, and monorail play sets of the properties and iconic features. Oh, good lord. Oh, this house would be destroyed with toys. It would, it It'd be, would oh. be. Yeah. Holy shit, if I could build like a Lego Luxor and a Lego Excalibur <laughs> and a Lego Caesars. Oh my God. Holy shit. Can you imagine having like little collectible like uh, uh, characters like Steve Wynn and fuck it, like porn slappers, like little porn slapper people. <laughs> oh and, my God, that'd be great girls to your room on the front of the little Lego guy. Bo- bottle water people, dollar, dollar bottle water people. <laughs> oh. Million dollar idea right there. All right. <laughs> 
As always, we'll link to the photo on our blog and feature it on all of our social media outlets such as Flickr, Pinterest, Facebook, Google+, and Twitter. Let's get into the news. So the one I'm most excited about talking about, I'm glad that we're uh, we're leading off the, the news segment. This one's awesome. Golden Gate renovations have been revealed. With just over a month before the project is completed, Golden Gate revealed what their renovation slash expansion plans will look like. First, the casino floor will nearly double in size, adding almost 100 new slot machines. Here's the interesting thing about that. A lot of people like to say, one of the things they love about Golden Gate is when you're playing the table games, it's kind of intimate. Like how small that property is, is they, they like that. Right. That's not changing. It's the slot floor that's expanding. Right. They're keeping all the table games where they are. Or the majority of them. Continuing a trend of eye-catching things in their properties, the center of attention here will be the slot fountain. This island of slots will have a 360-degree, 24-foot-tall cascade of TVs springing from the center of the bank of slots, meant to resemble the way a decorative water fountain does. Outside, they are expanding the one bar by 20 feet and relocating the grand entrance to the property further east to the new area of the building, decorated with velvet drapes. Lastly, the renovations are significant enough that to finish the project, Golden Gate will have to close from August 20th to the 25th to complete them. That's wild. Did you see the pictures? That's you wild. Looked? Oh, no, there were pictures. Sorry, I didn't see the picture. Oh, yeah, you got it. Well, I didn't know there were pictures. Of course there are pictures. If you click on the link. I didn't know that. I did read the, art, the article, though. Don't, don't be giving me shit. You mean my article? Or my, my... my I read your, yes, your notes. I'm sorry, okay. I read the notes. <laughs> I was like, how the hell did you read the article and not see the pictures? <laughs> so actually, and the, so this is what's funny, because as you were describing the waterfall of, or water fountain. fountain of TVs, I was like, what the hell does that look like? But the picture, it's it's pretty clear what it looks like, which I think is really cool. No, I'm excited that this is going to, this is finally, I can't believe it's that close to being done, actually, is the funny part. But it's yeah. wild. He's quite ninja in, in his renovations and, and the stuff that, that that company does. They're They're very... They're really fucking clever. Yeah, and I, um... Shit, I had a thought and it just flew out my head. We'll come back to you. Tony, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I could not be more excited. I love the Golden Gate. I love the Stevens Brothers. I support everything that they do. They're the, they've brought back that one person or, or two people, but realistically it's Derek, who is the face of the casino. He's on the casino floor. He wants to be around and a part of his gambling clientele base. I could not be more excited about this renovation. And the pictures look fantastic. I mean, talk about adding a kind of a, a bit of swag, 60s cool, like there's this kind of sort of hip cool feel of, of you could imagine one of the Rat Pack guys coming in after a concert and uh, having a drink there. Just, I, I'm a fanboy about this. Yeah. This is, He's, I'm all. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He's <laughs> really, really impressive with the stuff he does. Like, like the, like the stuff he does is stuff you don't even think about. You're like, oh shit, that's fucking cool. Like it's it's not the kind of things like you see at Aria in City Center and and, and where it's it's the most expensive newest thing out there. Like his shit, I mean, and I, I don't want to bag on any of those properties, but what what I mean to say is his is clever in a, in a in an everyday man's kind of kind of way. Like 
Like, yeah, like if you had money to, to burn, you know, and you're like going, we should do something really cool. Like, I got an idea. Let's have the fucking longest bar in the whole city. Like, that is a cool idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, oh, here's here's something else cool. Let's have like a fucking water fountain of TVs. Like, how's that going to work? It'll look like this. That is pretty cool. <laughs> Just shit you can't even think of, but the second you see it, like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So what I'm interested in is, you know, having to close the entire casino for five days. I My guess is that they have, they'll have the bulk of the construction done on the new side, but needing to tie the two spaces together, they'll literally have to, like, pull everything out. They're probably going to redo the carpeting, the flooring, all that kind of stuff. And then put it all back in, yeah, in th- whatever the new layout is, and that's just easier to do when there's nobody. Well, and I believe it's got something to do with, if you recall, Golden or uh, not Gold, uh, the D was went through they, where they renovated their their entire casino floor to be able to network the two of them, the Golden Gate and the D, finally together in one player's right. car. They haven't done it yet, but they were able to do that because that casino was large enough that they could renovate a space and and move, and, yeah. and do shit in other places. The, the gold gate isn't that big. So you have to shut it down so you can do that part of it and then tie it together. Because it only took them yeah. a few days to, like, you know, get these little spaces done. So, yeah, you're right. It's tying well, the Well, especially if they're going to leave the table games where they are. Yeah. You, it's not like you can pick those up and move those, you know, to someplace else. Right, it's so carpet. small. So where else are you going to yeah. put them? <laughs> right. So they're like, you know what, just, fucking just shut it down for five days. We'll yeah. get it all done, knock it out. And move it 10 feet, it. put it there. All right, move the shit back. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm excited that it's going to be done when we're there. I, agree. I can't wait to see what it looks I'm like. I'm looking forward For to sure. it. Yeah. All right, so something that's going to disappoint a fair number of our listeners <laughs> there is a weed shortage in Vegas. Two weeks into, or I guess we're at three weeks at this point, into marijuana's recreational legalization in Las Vegas, demand is dramatically exceeding supply. The root of the problem is the lack of suppliers due to the state's strict distribution licensing regulations. The situation is so severe that the Nevada Tax Commission voted to consider a larger pool of applicants for licensing in an emergency session. (laughs) (laughs) In the first three days of recreational legalization, the sale of marijuana generated $1 million in tax revenue. In tax well, revenue. Just in tax revenue, exactly. <laughs> that's not retail revenue. That that's that's, that's that small yeah, that's that small four to seven to nine percent, whatever it is. Hence, hence the reason they then called an emergency session because they're like, holy yeah. fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. They're losing money at this point. The right. state of Nevada's like, oh shit, this gravy train has derailed. I don't think the problem but, but so the real problem isn't a lack of supply. It's that Whoever the regulators were were dumb enough to think that whatever supply they approved was going to be enough. That, yeah. honest to God, that's yeah. how did you not think this wasn't going to go gangbusters? Well, they, you, in know, Vegas? you know what it was. It's very much like what gambling is. It expanded into other markets. You had people who who had these these silly what, what they felt were morals when it came to it. Like, well, you can have gambling, but it, you can only, like, you can't have any alcohol, or you can't do this, or, or it, it can't have, you can only have slot machines, you can't have table games, you can't have, and then once you realize all the fucking money you're making and all the money you're not making because you fucked up, and then, like, the places along, like, when they when they went with, oh, it's got to be on a, on a river, 
can't be on land. It's got to be on a river. And then they had hurricanes come through, and they're like, oh, my God, we're losing millions of dollars a day. Put them on fucking land. Get them away. <laughs> like, that, that to me is is what I see, that they were like, well, hold on. we got to control distribution. we got to. And then the fucking floodgates were like on, we're idiots. Where do we get, like, they're talking to the drug dealers. <laughs> like, where did you get your shit? Can we get some shit, please? Quick? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so. If I had to take a guess also as, um, shit, Karen, what the problem is on, uh, Tony. <laughs> is if Nevada's licensing laws or anything like what Michigan just recently passed within the last seven months, because we're, we're also, Michigan is also licensing its dispensaries. Yep. They're limiting the amount of marijuana each dispensary can have yep. at right. any one time. Yep. It's easier for them to license, and again, I'm I am I'm shooting from the hip here. Don't don't take this as gospel. But what no, my guess right. is, it's easier for them to go ahead and allow a larger pool of applicants for licensing than to go back and try to change the law that says the existing uh, dispensaries can have a larger quantity of, of marijuana on premise because that go that's an that's an actual legislative change where it's got to go through the the Nevada House, the Nevada Senate and then get right. signed by the governor. If they left the language in the in the Nevada legislation where the tax commission can just go ahead and open up the pool of applicants, what you're doing is you're allowing more shops then to be open as opposed to allowing the shops that are currently existing have a larger retail quantity of marijuana on premise. So yeah. that, that would be my guess. Which That'd seems a little, you know, shitty for the shops that already had it and have the customers there, but they run out of stuff. And so now they're like, okay, well, we're just going to bring in more competition. I mean, well, they're, a, they're all going to be fine, but yeah. It's a philosophical argument, though. Do you allow more gas stations to open up to sell Doritos and Diet Coke, or or do you allow them to just have a larger cooler to be able to hold the pop and, and the racks of chips? I mean, it's like I said, it's a philosophical argument. Well, and the interesting well, point the to difference, that is... The only difference about that is usually once they've built the gas station, it, it, to add on more square footage to stock more costs way more than just getting more inventory. All right, so how about this free downtown shuttle service that's being offered? This is one of those stories that I originally read last week and wasn't interested in reporting on it. Then Vital Vegas got a hold of it and made it interesting. You mean your man crush? Yeah. Well, I, there's a bit of that, and he's a good writer. <laughs> he's a good writer. Well, I had seen it the second time. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is... Uh, uh, it, how can it be any better when he writes it? And I'm like, oh, shit, it was. <laughs> it's called the Downtown Loop, and every 20 minutes, a 19-passenger bus will arrive at one of the seven stops featuring Fremont Street Experience, Mob Museum, Fremont East... Pond Plaza, the Las Vegas North Premium Outlets, the Arts District, as well as the Transit Center. The mass transit aficionados out there get to go to the Transit Center. Ooh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the shuttles run from 11.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. to midnight on Friday and Saturday, and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. The service is scheduled to run a six-month pilot program to determine the demand for such a service. I can see there's a lot of things that they come up with for Fremont that I'm like, this makes sense to the Zappos people. Well, maybe not just the Zappos. So think about it. If it's stopping at all those locations, so you you get down to Fremont and you park someplace. Is, are there, is there still free parking at Fremont? Yeah. Okay. So you can park down there for free. 
And then you hop on this bus and it takes you to all these little places. You can go to the Mob Museum, you can go to the Pond Plaza, you can okay, go to all these I'll, places. I'll give you Pond Plaza and I'll give you the North Premium Outlets, yeah. maybe the Art District. But uh, let's be honest, the Fremont Street Experience, the Mob Museum, uh, Fremont East, if you can't walk those... Well, yeah, I don't. I, I, but I think those are jumping off points. I agree. I so agree. You're, you're downtown and you're like, you know what, I always wanted to go see this. And then you hop on the bus and then you go. I agree. And if you're... So let's say you're staying even downtown. And you're like, you know, I want to go to the outlets, but I don't want to drive. In the the art. You hop on the bus, you go to the outlets, and then the bus. I will honestly take you back. feel this is all about the outlets and Pond Plaza. I honestly yes. feel that's what this is all about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, you know, I, I don't know whether or not the people that are going to this is kind of a derogatory thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I don't know if the people that are staying downtown are inherently going to be interested in the arts district. Uh, <laughs> hey, wait, we stay downtown. Hold on. <laughs> for, I, I'm going for the most part. Okay, okay. Um, and to a lesser extent, you know, the premium outlets, uh, that's, you know, that's interesting to me as well. I, I would give it a try. I've actually wanted to check out the arts district, but I've never made it a special point to go. I like the idea of going to Fremont East, particularly later at night where I'm not walking. To, to get there, because when I think of Fremont East, I'm thinking of, you know, maybe something even as far as like Atomic Liquors, although that's... Oh, wow. Little, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... Yeah, um, but it so only, it only runs be... even till midnight on the weekends, and it's only... Well, and that's... Their times are really screwed up. I mean, the fact that it starts at 11.30 Monday through Thursday, but then doesn't start until 3 p.m. on a Friday and Saturday, well, that's, that's weird to me. Why do you think there's value to taking us and allowing us to have these rides at 1130 on Monday through Thursday, but you don't think there's value in letting me start that at 1130 on a Friday and a Saturday? Very specifically well, on a Saturday. That's because weird. I think that they only have like one shift of drivers. Well, and and actually, Karen, that's what I thought is if oh, I were the yeah. only guy doing this and I'm running this, maybe. But also, how do you figure they're going to have to have more than one, aren't they, to ensure that you can hit every single destination within oh, 20 right. minutes? Oh, right. Yeah. Minutes. No, yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to have more than, than one driver, but what I'm saying is it's almost like it's just one shift. Or maybe it's two that if they're four-hour shifts. I don't know how they're... But if you look at the time frame, it's a yeah. little more than eight hours. Yeah. So I would, I would guess it's like one shift of drivers, not just one driver, but, you know, and then they rotate through and, that you know... That makes sense. I, I, my guess is that's what it is, and the pilot program will determine if they expand it or, you know, number one, continue, but then number two, based on feedback, if they expand it to different hours. It makes sense. It does. One last observation before I, we move on, unless you guys have other thoughts I just wanted to throw out there. There might be some value. They should try to pair up with either, and I don't really know how this would work out, but follow me on this. What if they were to be somewhat subsidized by either Westgate and or the monorail. So mm. now you could theoretically get to downtown from the monorail to the little shuttle service. I, no? Okay. That's, no, that's an no, interesting I, I idea. Don't, I don't, you you got to give us a sec, buddy. We're, we're processing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I thought you were going to go with the Neon Museum, but I, that... I'm surprised that's not one of the stops. I agree. Except. Well, but maybe that's too specific, and so they don't... They only have a limited number of spots for the tour. 
So I don't. It's probably not worth them putting it on the rotation because people can't randomly go because you can't get on the tour. Yeah. Oh, I bet you that's that's so. exactly. Ah, uh, good call, Karen. But everyone's smiling. Any, any time you can. I mean, I've said it forever. The, the biggest disconnect, although it doesn't seem to be as much of an issue recently, is uh, with as much money as downtown's making. But the the biggest hurdle you have with a lot of people is they're on the strip, and it's the effort to get down to Fremont. If that were super easy, think about if the monorail just went down there. Oh my God! Like you would fucking. If that place isn't already doing gangbusters, it, it would. That place would be expanding, like. Mad. No. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't disagree, but I think it's a, an interesting thought if you had a one of the stops was constantly run, running to SLS or whatever the hell it's going to be called now. So you go to the monorail, and then you know you have the bus that'll take you down. I to totally Florida. agree. I, mean, I, I, I agree yeah. with Tony's point. I think it, it would make sense to have that as a stop. Absolutely. Maybe they'll add it once they know what's going to happen with SLS. Maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we've got some wind stuff to talk about. Eater Vegas reports that Entourage Staple Earth Cafe, I'm assuming, Earth, or Earth, it's got to be Earth, right? Cafe That's will clever. be opening a coffee shop and casual eatery in the new Wynn Plaza, scheduled to open this fall, although the cafe isn't expected to open until March of 2018. Other high-end retailers were shared, but failed to capture my interest. It was also revealed that Charlie's Bar and Grill will take over the space formerly home to Zuza Crackers Deli at Wynn. Finally, the sports book at the property is scheduled to reopen August 2nd. However, no expected opening date was shared for Charlie's Bar and Grill. So, I have a dumb question. Yeah. When you say reports that the Entourage staple, is that from like the, the TV the show? The Entourage the movie? TV show, yeah. Okay. They were constantly hanging out at that cafe. So, it's, it is it's a, a real, real place. cafe? Yeah, it's okay. a real place. Well, most of Entourage is set in, in real settings. All right. Well, as someone who couldn't stand watching the show, I, I don't know. So... I just, I Which is kind of opinion. funny because one would argue 360 Vegas Vacation is essentially my giant entourage. <laughs> oh, God. Here comes the ego. Oh, see, don't start. We're going to get the fucking <laughs> iTunes reviews now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have perpetrated this false, this false falsity. I don't think that's a word. Well, you're the one who said it was like your entourage. 360 Vegas Vacation is like my joke. entourage. You guys throw things like ego to it, and then we have fucking asshats who are like, this fucking ego so big. Like, it's a joke, you retard. It's a joke. <laughs> and cue the hate mail for the, using the word retard. I don't care. We're, take, we're taking it back. We're taking it back. Reclaiming it. Talk to me about uh, there being some more Mirage restaurant news. According to the RJ, Samba Brazilian Steakhouse and Portofino will close at the Mirage in favor of new dining options. Samba is scheduled to close on August 31st and Portofino by the end of the year. All that is known regarding what future plans the property has is that Chef Michael Laplaza will open a new Italian restaurant in the Samba space but no time frame when it will open is known. Do you have any idea who that is? No, actually, I don't. Yeah, I didn't either. Never heard of him. I figured and I'd throw the name out there like, oh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Although I'm sure I miss, mispronounced The, the funny thing is, is if I, if I saw his face, I might recognize him, yeah. but the name isn't ringing a bell. And I'll be honest, I, I haven't eaten at any of these restaurants that are closing, so I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I think I've heard good things about almost all of them, but I've just never eaten there, so... I'm not, I'm not even 100% sure where Portofino is. I, I know I always remember Samba just because right. of the signage. You can't. You can't well, and it's, it. it's right there on the way to Stack or 
Yeah, stack. Is it stack or is it is it back to the hotel rooms? It's the no, hotel it rooms. Oh, is it? I think it is the hotel rooms. Yeah. yeah. So what's the one next to stack? Is that the Brazilian? Uh, it might be. That might. No, I think that's Portofino. Oh, I think you're right. Because Karen, that is the Brazilian, the one that's on your way to uh, the hotel towers. Yeah. So I, I, I assume the one that you're thinking of is the other one down okay. there, but yeah. uh, called Portofino. But yeah. well, like I said, none of them. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, none of us have been there. So I know. well, and I, I think <laughs> no it's interesting because I, I do think that a lot of the maybe non, what's what, any anything that's not owned or or n- name not owned isn't designed or have a major celebrity chef's name tagged on it, especially at an MGM property, I could see them switching it out. I, yeah. I just... Uh, that, that's not that's not always the case. It, I mean, it, they are swapping out for just newer things because everybody likes something new. Right. But, uh, I mean, obviously there's always that threat, but that they've been saying that for years, that, that every restaurant's going to be taken over by a celebrity chef, and that's not... I mean... As it is here, the article was like, oh, it's going to be by this guy. And we're all like, who's that guy? I don't know who that guy is. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. This is a dumb question. Morimoto's restaurant opened at MGM? Yeah. But we talked about how Morimoto was the owner of the sushi place yeah. at Mirage we didn't even know about. No, I'm sorry. That it was just a side note for me because I couldn't remember what property it was in. But, okay, that's where it is. Hmm. I still have to get there at some point. If these trips weren't just packed full of all kinds of goodness, I could get down there when I had a so free night. I know. It's crazy. All right. Sorry. All right. That's all right. So something that I, I'm not quite I, I like the idea ultimately, but I've got a thought on. Talk to us about the Uber tipping. Ride sharing service Uber announced that they have introduced tipping to the services app. You'll now be able to add a tip when you rate your trip. To prevent biased drivers' reviews of passengers, tips will be kept anonymous. They will be associated with the trip, not your name. Both one-touch tip options, as well as the ability to manually input amounts, will be available for both traditional rides as well as Uber Eats. To take advantage of the new functionality, you just need to make sure you're running the most recent version of the app. I have an opinion of this too, but I want to hear your stuff. I am... So... Interestingly enough, I almost never have cash on me, except for when I'm in Vegas. The only time I ever usually use Uber is when I'm in Vegas. I kind of, on the one hand, I love the opportunity. If I don't have cash on me, I can tip the driver right through the app. Fantastic. On the other hand, because I know that the Uber driver has the ability to rate me, but I keep driver rates me at... I'm more inclined to want to leave him a cash tip so that he doesn't have to share it with Uber, whether or not they take a cut, I don't know. If nothing else, they may take just a credit card processing cut, but I digress. I want him to know, I rode with you, I am giving you this cash for a tip, I expect you to give me in return a positive (laughs) rating in return that I think you'll lose when you do it through the app. So I have to say about that. So I I like the idea that tipping is anonymous, but I don't know how they're going to do that because when they say that the oh, tip is so cool. is associated with the trip, they know who they picked up and where they dropped you off. They know who's on the trips because they have a chance to rate you as well. So how are they not going to know? I, I just that's the part I don't I don't know how they can do it anonymously unless it wasn't associated with the trip at all. It's like oh hey some random you know somebody gave you a tip after the fact. 
So that part I'm I'm skeptical on. Why would you be skeptical? Like I don't trust you, Uber. You're tipping. <laughs> <laughs> Just because as you aptly point out in here, though, in fairness to Karen, you put in here something along the lines of um, will be a, yeah, it's associated. So, with it's associated it. with your trip, but not your name. Right, but so it, when, the the tip is like it it's associated to you, not necessarily to the driver. That's how they know who to tip, who to give the money to. But when they give the like you were saying, when they, when they give the money to the driver, it isn't like, hey, this fare gave you this tip. But if it's, but they know who, who was on the trip. They know who they picked up, and that's the part I don't get. I don't get I, how I it just, can be anonymous. I just thought it was funny. You're like, one. I just don't. I'm skeptical of it. I don't. <laughs> I don't get how it works. I don't get how it works. Okay, but there's that. But then you're like, I'm. I'm. I'm it just. I. It gave me the vision of you going. I don't trust you and your tipping methods, there, Uber. <laughs> right. I don't, I, I don't believe this is anonymous. Well, and, and I fabricated in my head. Don't don't think I'm saying this is what you said. It's I'm just, totally not what I said. And totally not what I'm thinking. In my imagination, that's how I built it up for my own amusement. Karen, Karen, I'm assuming that either at the end of the day or at the end of the week, the Uber driver will probably get some sort of a report from Uber that says in the past 24 hours or in the past seven days, you've accumulated X number of dollars in tips from your rides. But that may, I mean, I guess we need to know more what specifically, what does it mean when it says it will be associated with your trip, not your name, right? If they're itemizing it and it right. says your trip from uh, SLS right. exactly. to downtown grand tipped you 50 cents, then yeah, they're, they're likely <laughs> going to know exactly. who. You, you know what I imagine it is? If you think about it, if anybody's worked in a restaurant, when you get your credit card tips at the end of the night, you don't fucking know who tipped you. I right. never worked. So I, yeah, I you just, I they're like, oh, here are your credit card tips. Well, okay. and the other thing, just just in general, yeah, I don't sure. I don't think that I like the fact that Uber is adding tips, because I just feel like one of the things I liked about Uber, what, there were no tips. The fare was the fare, and that's it. And now I feel like I'm going to be pressured into giving a tip, which means my my the cost of my trip is going to be even more. Yeah. And quite honestly, if I use them for work, I can't claim the tip. Yeah. Because it'll go directly to my work credit card. The tip is something I got to do out of pocket. So now I feel like a cheap ass if, I mean, because God forbid, like next week I, I got to go to O'Hare and having somebody pick you up at O'Hare was, is like a fucking nightmare. So if they do a good job and get me where I want to go and don't get me killed in Chicago traffic, you'd want to tip them. But I got to do that personally instead of on the company thing. Yeah. So Will I, your I just, work now? That, it, that there's a tip on there? Won't it just show up as an Uber charge for $10.25? But it will be a separate Uber charge. So I would have to explain to them. So. No, it, it would. Because the, the Uber go, goes through, like, the minute you request them, you get charged, unless you cancel uh, within a certain period of time. Yeah. So if I log I back in. Yeah, but maybe they're just changing it the way that they do credit cards in a, in a restaurant, where you it gets pre-approved. It it's pre -approved, it's but. not, because it says it, it goes in when you rate your your trip or your driver. So when you rate your driver, you have the option of giving or leaving a tip. And I'll be honest, I've done, I've logged into Uber like two weeks after my last trip, and it will bring up my last trip that I haven't rated and ask me if I want to rate it. So if at that point in time, I can not only rate, but give a tip, that's two weeks after the yeah. trip. 
That's a, uh, you make a good point. It's interesting, hmm. but then aren't they going to put themselves in a situation where they're going to have to pay another credit card processing fee for for the Oh yeah, same they trip? would. They would. Yeah, but that's why I think they're going to bring take it out of the the drivers. Oh yeah, it, it totally comes out of the drivers cut. The Uber's not going to pay for it. I don't know. See, I I like this idea because it just it's less interaction with humans. Like I just get in a vehicle, don't talk to me and take me there and then I'll give you money, you know, to take me there and then other money to say, "Hey, thanks for getting me there fast and not talking to me." But then, but then you kind of sold me on the idea, like it's that Vegasy pimp thing where you where you tip somebody. So now, now I'm kind of like, oh, I'm glad they did this, but now I'm not going to use it. But I, I almost, <laughs> to Tony's point, I'd almost rather just if if I wanted to tip the driver getting out of the car, I'd rather just tip him then. Yeah, I, and then well, they don't have to share it. They don't honestly, they don't have to report it. Well, yeah, and it's a, it's a it's the interesting thing about that too is is as much as I try to avoid human interaction, I kind of like tipping the the driver or the uh, the skycap guy I kind of like tipping that guy I kind of like tipping the bad guy to that you know when they fly the down hop. yeah to put your bags in there I kind of like tipping them because <laughs> it's that whole little handshake thing like oh thanks a lot man there you go, there you go kind of thing so I'm like oh shit I could do that okay probably way longer than a, of a discussion that you thought you were going to get with it but there you go no it was a good one friends talking <laughs> we've got some uh, Vegas Vicky plans to talk about and the Stevens Group purchased all the available space from the Las Vegas Club down to Mermaids and announced plans to develop all of it as part of the 18 Fremont project. One of the first things they did was reassure Neon fans that iconic signage like Vegas Vicky wouldn't be going anywhere. It was later clarified that exactly how or if she would be incorporated in the new project was to be determined. When work on removing her from her current installation began, Potential new homes for her were shared. Now, Vital Vegas shares some renderings of the location that will most likely be her new home on Fremont Street. Specifically, at the far west of the Fremont Street experience, attempting to clean up the eyesore that is the back of the Main Street stage and Slotzilla landing platform, aka the new view of Fremont Street from Plaza. <laughs> Remember that great view they used to yeah. have at, uh, at Oscars? Yeah. Now it's yes. the back of that thing. <laughs> There is no timeline as to when any of this will happen. The two most popular variations to it, one would be that she is laying flat against it, or the other one is that she is laying out. So as you're driving down the street, she's sitting. Her, she's foot not laying. Would, her foot yeah. would be sticking out over oh, the traffic. Like right. towards the road? Right, right. right. So you've got gotcha. one that's completely up against the wall, and then one that just has her back up against the wall, and she's kind of going out into the street. Yeah. That's yeah. the one I'm pulling for. That one sounds awesome. Well, and I think that the one rendering where they're showing her flat up against the back of the stage, she'd at least have to be elevated because so many people would be touching the lower part oh, of Oh, definitely. She's going to be elevated. probably climbing on well, there's a, if you look at If you look at them close, they both have little stands that elevate her. Yeah, but she'd have to be a lot more elevated than what they're showing in this. Well, I think for the one that's flat against the wall, it's yeah. it's not. I mean, she's she's within hands reach of people, which yeah. means she's climbable. Which means it, yeah, she'd have to be much higher up. Sure, um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I do. I like the one where she's, you know, her legs are sticking out over. This is cool. The street, because yeah, that, yeah I, I think that one's much more Vegasy. Yeah, I agree. I've I agree. I've got a third option. I'd like them to at least consider. <laughs> Why don't they put her on her back? <laughs> I knew you were going to so do that. So her legs are up in the air? There, I mean, let's, cause that's, I believe it was the Neon Museum complained about, and 
one of the biggest offenders was Scott with the many of jokes about her. The photos when they took her down and she was laying on her back. Accessing yeah. her, her back end. Oh, and, oh, and, oh gotcha. gotcha. They, they, they were not fans of them. We're like, come on. How often do you get to be able to make jokes like that? How often is there signage that even allows you to be able to yeah. make comments like yeah. this? Come on. Let's all have fun. Relax. Regarding the fate of the Golden Goose and Glitter Gulch signs, the only way they will be saved is if the demolition company decides they want to make the effort to preserve them, and if they then decide to do so, whatever they decide to do with them is up to them because they are part of the demolition. It's kind of like, here, do whatever you want. If you want to sell these, you want to donate them, we don't care. Yeah, I, I, I wanted... Now, was that the Stevens Group that did that? Yeah, that they said just, do whatever? They just gave it up. Yeah, it's part of the demolition. My guess is, listen, I, I agree. Glitter Gulch is, that, that's what you think of the area. Is that signage really what you think? And the Golden Goose, I could see somebody making the effort to to save that and sell it. But are you really like, oh, my God, you're going to see the Golden Goose, man. It's but I don't, I, I think this is classic Vegas neon that needs to and should be saved. I mean, it's it's part of a history of the city that should be at the Neon Museum. And Absolutely. I would, I yeah. would be really disappointed if, honestly, whoever the demo company is just, you know, trashed them. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe, maybe it really, because I imagine there's got to be some tax write-off for donating these kind of things. So maybe it really is kind of, uh, maybe it was part of the deal with, with the demolition company. Like, hey, if you guys make the effort to take those down, I, I'm not going to pay you to take them down so I can then donate them or whatever. I'm going to repurpose Vicky already. But if you guys want to take that thing down and donate them, have at it. Yeah, but cut unless a, cut a deal unless here. it's a local Vegas company. Well, of course it's yeah. a local. Well, Vegas but company. I mean, there no, there's a lot of construction companies that aren't locally owned and operated. Unless they've got that appreciation for history, I, Time, I'll, yeah. I'll be interested to see what actually happens to them. We'll see. Knowing all of the bullshit, and that's kind of a snarky way to say it. But when I think of some of the bullshit signs that are at the Neon Museum that don't have the same level of yeah. um, right. yep, exactly. <laughs> cultural relevance to, to think that, that those signs could, could make it to the Neon Museum, but not these two is, I think it's heartbreaking, quite frankly. My, my guess would be, because to your point, a lot of those things survived simply because they were like abandoned. And then people were like, well, we're going to demolish this place. We're like, we'll just take that down. We'll, we'll have that. We'll yeah. take care of that. I'm sure it's not incredibly difficult for them to be able to take this down. Hopefully, it may not be operational. Hopefully we're a worrying problem. a whole awful lot about nothing. Yeah. And they'll all be fine, and they'll end up at the Neon Museum right where they need to be, and yeah. everything will be good. The Fremont facades are expected to remain while the 18 Fremont project is underway for aesthetic as well as functional reasons. Dust. <laughs> Kirkorian is liquidating his MGM assets. Former MGM CEO Kirk Kirkorian's investment firm, Tracinda, named after his daughters, Tracy and Linda, have been selling off MGM resort assets and stocks in the company per the request of his will. In May, the firm sold 10 million of its 67.2 million shares in the company for 300 million plus. Tracinda still owns 10% of the company, currently valued at $1.86 billion. Most recently, the company completed a $2 million sale of the 45th floor condo at Mandarin Oriental, a 2,000 square foot, or 2,000 plus square foot, two bedroom space they purchased for $3.6 million in 2010. 
Kokorian passed away in 2010 at the age of 98. It's interesting that they're liquidating. Well, it's it's part of his wills. I, but that's what I mean. I wonder why. Well, in, if they don't have an will. interest in in running the business, you you don't want to sell everything off at once because there's of huge course tax course implications right. for doing. But that. I mean, why why wouldn't you retain that unless you think it's going to lose its value at some point? Why why would you liquidate? Well, you also don't know if they're going to liquidate all of it. Again, they only sold 10 million of the 67.2 million shares. Right. So doing like short math on that, if they sold 10 million for 300,000, I mean, maybe and they still have 50 million shares left. That's $1.5 billion. Yeah, maybe it's a solvency thing. Maybe it's, uh, or not a solvency. Maybe it's a uh, reinvestment. You know, like, here, get some cash so we can put it towards these kind of things. Or Maybe it's just a, a, it's a plan to reduce the family's holding so they're not so heavily weighted in MGM. Hmm. I mean, it's probably, you never want to have all your money, all your eggs in one well, basket. Well, I promise basically. you, Kirk Corrine does I know. not have all his eggs in one basket. But the amount of money he has tied up in MGM is probably not the best long-term decision for his family for a company that he no longer controls. I mean, they're about to be, you know, Murinized, so no, why my, not? My understanding is they do still control it, and Murin is, is that, that's his guy. He brought Murin in. I, I, it, yeah. Tracinda still has a, has, has a place on the board. That's fine. I, I just, I don't, I'm not surprised. You're like, why are they liquidating? Like, they're liquidating... a one-sixth of what, less than one-sixth of what he owned. Right, I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm just interested as to why, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm, as with most things, I, I'm interested in the why. And that's really all it is, I'm not judging it. Because the will said so. Yeah, I, but well, that's not the interesting part. <laughs> I, I would assume that to a certain extent, to be able to ever actually close out the Kokorian estate, you can't close it out until everything has been liquidated anyway. So at some point, just the family members are going to say, yeah, we may be paper rich because we own all of these shares that are worth X, but that's not liquid. I can't, I yeah. can't spend that. So it's a way to just slowly start to liquidate the, the overall assets, put the, put the cash in the fan, you know, in the hands of the heirs. Yeah. And as Karen aptly points out, you do it in these slow little, you know, kind of drip, drip distribution so that you don't have to suffer any negative estate tax implications. Did you know, here's a little bit of trivia for you. Did you know that you'll pay on average, on average, 55% of your of an estate tax for anything over whatever the, the threshold is and the threshold, something like, I, I want to say like $10 million. Yeah. So anything over $10 million, you're paying like 55% taxes to the government. But... But a lot of that depends on, and so this is the, my counterpoint to Tony's point was, if the if the shares are in the company's name, the the true Tracinda, true, yeah, Tracinda, that's not if if he was smart and had already started he transitioning ownership of the company to his daughters, just because well, it's he a died. Corporation. Okay, but it is a corporation. But who owns the corporation? So it just the because, stockholders of Tracinda. Right. So what I'm saying is that if the stockholders were Kokorian and his daughters, yeah. if his his estate plan is how do you transfer the rest of that ownership to the daughters, not what do the daughters have to do with the MGM shares. So that's what I'm saying. You can sort of separate. The MGM shares can be separate from his estate closeout. I mean, it, there's some amazing loopholes you can go through from some of the, this estate planning stuff. And I, I'm just saying I don't know that... 
to Tony's point about having to liquidate all of that so you could close out the estate, I don't think that's why they're doing it. My guess is his oh, estate right, has probably been settled. I mean, he's the lawyer, but... You know. I know, but... Well, no, she's not She's not <laughs> wrong, and you're right. I assume that to a certain extent that will be done, but uh, I think we've beat this dead horse into the ground. <laughs> Let's move into prop bets. For those of you unfamiliar, prop bets is an extension of the news, but with just bits and pieces of noteworthy items. First up, Westgate was awarded $2.25 million in damages by a federal arbitrator from their breach of contract case against the Exhibit A Circle LLC. The company was the one who signed a 10-year deal to operate an Elvis Graceland exhibit and stage show only to close it less than a year after it opened. Westgate is still in possession of the memorabilia from the exhibit and says they will continue to hold it until Elvis Presley Enterprises either pays the multi-million dollar bond to release their property or there is a final ruling in the case. That's fascinating. Yeah, Elvis Presley Enterprises will just wait till there's a final ruling. They're not going to pay it. It's not lost on me, by the way, that the group that uh, Westgate had to sue was called Exhibit A. <laughs> <laughs> We get sued so much, you know what? Let's just, Let's just call just ourselves call Exhibit A. Yeah. That's a yeah. name. <laughs> it was announced this week that Cirque du Soleil has agreed to purchase Blue Man Group Productions. The acquisition is the company's attempt to diversify their entertainment portfolio. But, I mean, I guess you got money, right? You diversify, right? Yeah, I, I guess if I... This is going to sound awful to say. I didn't have an interest in seeing Blue Man Group before. I don't have an interest in seeing Blue Man Group once it's been certified. What's well, not going to be certified? Mm. They're diversifying, Karen. If they're going to turn it into cert, that's not diversifying. That's consuming. Mm, we'll see. <laughs> For those of you in need of a designer cocktail to break up the monotony of shopping at the forum shops at Caesars can stop off at the, quote, other room. A 3,200-square-foot lounge and patio recently added to the mall's offering. Is it truly a patio if the patio is in the hallway of, of a if it's indoors? shopping? If yeah, yeah, right. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Its location was made no more clear than that by Eater Vegas, so happy hunting. I'm sure if I made some slight effort to try and find it, I could have, but, but I declined to make that effort. a 3,200-square-foot lounge in the middle of a mall. When yeah, it's not going to make it. The casino lounges are just that way. Like I said, it, it's literally gone. <laughs> maybe maybe it's the people who are who are drug along on these shopping trips like going, oh, thank God there's a bar. <laughs> yeah. Honey, I'll that. just be here. Well, you, you shop. Yeah. So you know what? That, that could be. It, it could be a good spot to go in and get a good drink. Hang outside? Why? Well, not even that. But let's say you want to drink when you're shopping, right? So you, you pick up your drink in the casino, and then you start walking. And unless you go into one of the restaurants... Why would they waste so much money on real estate? It depends on, A, if they had anybody to fill it, and number two, how much money they can make off of liquor sales, especially if it's foot traffic. Yeah. What I'm saying is you go in, you grab a drink, and then you take it with you while you're shopping. Because eventually, whatever you got in the casino is going to run out and you're going to be parched and who wants water? <laughs> grab a drink to go. <laughs> I think uh, location, location, location is going to be the key for this place because there's a Casa Fuente cigar lounge in the forum shops that I absolutely love that I think is probably going to struggle now with the new Monte Cristo cigar bar that's opened up in Caesar's Palace proper. 
So I don't know, depend- man. The forum shops and where where that Monte Cristo is, that's those are like two sides of the fucking planet in Caesars. True, fair point. But if if you're someone like myself who enjoys my gamble oh, while I'm having a cigar yeah. and having an adult beverage, that is just far more convenient for me than to go traipsing into the mall to yeah. go find the Casa Fuentes. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, as a cigar aficionado, you're going to go seek that those things out. If you don't have to go as far to attain them, you're not going to. Exactly. So yeah. now you've got this other room that theoretically could be, if it's between the casino floor and the Casa Fuente cigar lounge, it, it could be, you know, it could be lights out. Ah, oh, pun intended. It could be, you know, your cigar is going to get snuffed out. Oh, wow. That went dark. Now it's just a <laughs> So, anyway, moving along. It was confirmed that of the 32,000 properties affected by the 2015 security breach to third-party reservation software provider Sabre, 14 of them were Trump hotels, including the one in Vegas. The breach exposed credit card information and security codes, and this is the third time the Trump hotels have been hacked since May of 2015. Vital Vegas reports that Chinese restaurant Ping Pang Pong at Gold Coast has reopened at the property. The popular dining option moved into the space formerly home to the property showroom, now giving the restaurant 50% more seating capacity. A leaking pipe is to blame for flooding at Planet Hollywood, causing parts of the property to temporarily close two Saturdays ago. One of those affected was Planet Dailies. Since then, it has been announced that they do not intend to reopen the restaurant until October 1st. What? No word if that is where the issue originated. It has to be, right? Why else would you close that long? Or or if they were like, oh, fuck, we're going to change out the carpet. No, no, no. You know what? We've been wanting to renovate this place for a long time. Just shut it all down. We'll fuck I, it. I think that's what it is. I mean, really? if, if they... well, You don't think that's where the water damage originated from? Well, I don't know how much was closed. So if, if it was all just on the first floor and it was mostly on that side, it's entirely possible. But, I, I mean, for it to not open until October 1st... I mean, obviously... There either was major... a serious fucking problem yeah. or... They're like, fuck it. It's already soaked. Let's. We've been thinking about doing this. Let's just go ahead and do it. And it's pretty fucking significant when you think about it. it closes in July and the renovation. Well, I mean, it's got to. It has to be a whole re- renovation. It has to be. Now, my concern is it's not going to reopen as Planet Dailies, and they're going right. to put something else in there. I don't know. That place is super fucking popular. I know, but weirder things have happened. It's true. So my hope is that they're giving it a facelift because <laughs> it. If you think about it, it was kind of dated. Or, you know, hey, I mean, it was comfy and it was comfy and it wasn't, but it doesn't necessarily fit the motif of the rest of Planet Hollywood. So I, I could see them up to updating it to more like a a futuristic sci-fi Planet Dailies. Oh, God, please thing. no. But, <laughs> well, no, so, you yeah. know, they had the TV, the TVs running all those random, some were news channels, some were the blooper reels. I mean, that was the whole thing. And like their kitsch is dailies as in newspaper, news, trivia, that kind of stuff. Believe it or not, that's what the kitsch is. Okay. So I could see them incorporating that more into it, just in a more updated way. Uh, Eater Vegas reports on three new confirmed details in the works for the Monte Carlo renovations. Plans are to invest nearly $4 million on a new 12,000 square foot sports bar, 
Also, two new bars, Center and West Bar, are planned for the casino floor. What isn't known is exactly where any of these will be located in the property. Ooh, ooh, I have a guess. I, no, I'm gonna I guess. have a guess. <laughs> the Center and at the West? Yeah, they're getting I got, real, I got two guesses. They're getting real fucking clever there, aren't they? Yeah, they're... Like, uh, park, uh, park MGM, the Center and the West Bar. I wonder if they're going to name the fucking sports book the Parkmont MGM sports book or... Parkmont? Park what? You said Parkmont MGM? Oh, see, I got clever. My bad. My bad. Uh, uh, Park MGM. Oh, instead of like Parkmont is in Park Monte Carlo, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I I have no idea what I was thinking. (laughs) I think I couldn't help but be clever. Like, I couldn't work for Murin, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no, no, no. Dumb it down. You're not dumbing it down enough. Come on. People aren't going to know what this is. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to figure it out. Plans for restaurant renovations at the Las Vegas Convention Center were shared this week by Eater Vegas. No plans to actually improve the options, just investing $6 million to upgrade the existing options people have complained about for years and potentially add new vendors to the food court. Dude, I, I don't know anything about that place. Never been there. What kind of fucking giant places go there? Like, I think about the Sands that everybody, it seems like virtually every major, major big convention goes to the Sands. Who the fuck goes to the Vegas Convention Center? I mean, obviously, a lot of people do. They're buying up fucking shit and destroying it, turning it into parking lots. Fuck, you know, oh my God, this complete side tangent here. One of the things that, uh, of the vast amount of vintage research I've been doing lately is, is a reminder that the Las Vegas Convention Center were the ones who bought the landmark and destroyed it and did all that to turn it into Bastards. a parking lot. And then they did the same thing. They bought Riviera for an expansion and demoed it and turned it into a parking lot. So they've destroyed two fucking properties in the city, pretty significant purchases, and turned them into nothing but parking lots. What the fuck? And lastly, due to another restaurant with legal claim to the name, The Perch at Container Park has elected to rename its establishment Downtown Terrace Kitchen and Bar starting August 1st. I feel bad because it feels like everybody is, it's like all the good names have been taken up and now we're left with nothing but the obvious. (laughs) Well, for fuck's sake, Vegas, hire a couple of fucking attorneys to do some trademark searches for you. Just find out what the fuck is out there and stop picking shit that's already been taken. There's lots of other crazy fun names you could have come up with that beats the downtown terrace kitchen and bar. So, so hold on, Tony. If it were Vegas that actually were putting all these names together, yes, I agree. You could hire a fucking paralegal to do a, a search like that. Unfortunately, I think most of these are smaller startups or locally owned or small owned. They're not all big conglomerates that maybe don't have the legal savvy to think, oh, maybe I should check to see if someone else has trademarked this name. Tony, how long does somebody own the rights to a name? Is that is that like patents where you only own the rights to it for so long? Is long no, as long as you're using it and it's being maintained, you'll own it indefinitely. So well, how, probably how's using it like like the stardust isn't really being used the frontier isn't really being used i mean at some point when, when does somebody go fucking i'm renaming a place the frontier and nobody else is uh, that's that's a really good question i'm i am dangerously unqualified to answer any intellectual property questions like that okay. well, uh, when they buy 
the Stardust, they may they, they buy its name. I don't know how long you can not use a name before it becomes, you know, open to the public. Theoretically, if it's not being used immediately, I guess you could probably start using it. But I don't know. It, it, it's but I, I, I don't know. I can't answer that. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for news and prop bets. Let's move on to coming attractions. is a portion of the show where we share with you acts and artists outside of the usual residencies that will be performing in Vegas in the future. This segment is brought to you by tickets.accessvegas.com. If you're going to a concert or event in Las Vegas or anywhere in the world, treat yourself right by grabbing great premium seats at tickets.accessvegas.com. The former Stratosphere headliner, Frankie Marino, has begun a short-term residency at the Golden Nugget, Performances are every Thursday and Saturday through August. Shows start at 8 p.m. and tickets start at a very reasonable $28. Hey, am I the only one that, if you think about someone who has a residency at the Gold, like traditionally, when I think of somebody that goes downtown, you're like, uh, things aren't going as well, are they? Yeah. I mean, off strip, depending on where it is, you're like, well, that's not as bad. But downtown, you're like, things aren't going good. Golden Nugget doesn't feel like that. I don't know, necessarily know that I agree with your feeling of downtown residencies, or versus, especially versus off strip. What was the last place uh, uh, someone? Oh, oh, versus off strip. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say Penn and Teller are hurting. I wouldn't say anybody that's playing at the Hard Rock is hurting. The Palms is hurting. Right. Yeah, Golden Nugget though is the nicest of the. Downtown. Yeah, I agree. Like Golden Nugget, like going, oh, you relocated to Golden Nugget. Golden Nugget feel. I, I guess I, maybe I should have said it better. Golden Nugget almost feels more like it's just an off-strip thing. Like, oh, you're off-strip. So, I mean, yeah, you're not hurt or anything, you know, but, yeah, you're over at the Golden Nugget. Whereas if you're like, oh, you're at the Plaza, you're like, oof, it's not right. good, is it? Yeah. Right. Well, and could an argument be made that he actually fell up by going from Stratosphere, Stratosphere to Golden Nugget? I, I, yeah, I would. Probably. Yeah, I would agree with it. Probably. Dennis DeYoung of Styx fame is performing at Golden Nugget Friday, October 20th. Show starts at 8 p.m. and tickets start at $32. Mary J. Blige is performing at the Pearl at Palms Friday, September 1st. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $70. Adina Menzel is performing at Pearl at Palms Saturday, September 2nd. Show starts at 8 p.m. and tickets start at $63. I'm sorry. Is she just going to sing the same song for an hour? And a half? <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Let it go. She has a fuck's sake. Just let it go. I thought she came out with a pop album. Not that oh. I know of. I thought she did. Adina Menzel really made her name playing. Um, uh, well, Wicked, the, yeah. The, yeah. I Wicked assume she's going to sing some of that shit. Well, yeah, too, but yeah. so Broadway or Frozen. I think she. I think it's going to be a lot of Broadway. She maybe probably a little do bit. covers, too. You know what? I bet she does. I bet she does some standards. I bet you she'll do some takes on, oh, yeah. you know, Rat well, Pack. I'll Rome. bet you. You know, she she did have that um, that stint on Glee. Oh, uh, yeah. There you go. I didn't so, think of that. I mean, she, she's... Obviously, she can sing. I'm just... 
I, I you know what I'm if interested. If I want to pay oh, to go see you know her, I want to. I'm going to look, look up the I'm set list. Go to set list. Yeah, I want to see what the hell. Because honest to God, all I'm thinking is, okay, so she does like Defying Gravity from Wicked, got that, and then she does Let It Go from Frozen, and everything else is not her music. I, and again, I think she's a great singer. I like her. I'm like, but I'm not going to go pay sixty three bucks starting to go see her sing. All right, well, I'll read the next one and we'll come back to that. Melissa Etheridge is performing at the Pearl at Palms on Saturday, September 9th. Show starts at 8 p.m. and tickets start at $41. I really hope that each seat at the Pearl no. has like a little window outline in front of each seat. No? Why? Why? So I can come to her window. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm thinking the lesbian thing. Like, I don't know where this is going. Yeah, oh I'm, my I'm, God, it's, Tony. It's, it's, that's two in a row. That's, he's good. <laughs> Kid's good. Oh, he's on a roll. Okay, so at Jacob's Pavilion in Cleveland, she did Queen of Swords, Small World, Seasons of Love, Don't Rain on My Parade, Everybody Knows, Cake slash Black Dog, I'm Not That Girl, Perfect Story, Wind Beneath My Wings, uh, Defying Gravity, right. I Do, Bridge Over Troubled Water, and She didn't do Let It Go? She must have. I, it, she has to have. It, it's doing one of those dot, dot, dot things, and I'm trying to I'm trying to see what it is, but I'm not very dots. good at the, the mobile version I of this. I think about half of those were show tunes. Here you go. Here you go. Sorry. Here's the rest of it. Oh, my God. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. This is way better now. I should have gone this way. So, Don't Rain on My Parade is Barb Streisand. Cake and Black Dog is a Led Zeppelin cover. Uh, here we go. Bridge Over Trover Waters, that's Simon and Garfunkel. Rocksteady, that's an Aretha Franklin cover. No Day But Today, Jonathan Larson. I don't know that one. Check this out. Dear Prudence, Do You Want to Build a Snowman combination. So, a little Beatles thing and... The, uh, Ooh, that would be an interesting matchup. Yeah. I mean, do you want to build a snowman to create song? And, but yeah. snowman. and then she does Let It Go, Every Time We Say Goodbye, and I See You. Every Time We Say Goodbye is from Sunset Boulevard, but I don't recognize that last song. Every Time We Say Goodbye, yeah, it's Cole Porter. It doesn't say that, I, I don't know if that's an original or something, I See You, because it's not, it, it doesn't list that it's a cover or anything like that. Weird. Yeah. All right. Huh. Sorry. It's right. interesting. That's not, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, w I wondered as well. I wondered as well. Right. Perfect transition. Megadeth is performing <laughs> at the Pearl at Palms Friday, October 6th. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets start at an undetermined amount. I'm not chasing. And, fi and finally, Jay-Z is performing at uh, T-Mobile Arena Saturday, October 28th. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets start at an undetermined amount. Premium seats with tickets.accessvegas.com start at $50. Yes. Suck it, Hova. That's right. <laughs> well done. Don't forget you can find links to purchase tickets to these and all the artists we report on on our coming attractions calendar on the blog. Let's check the river. So apparently we've got some voice memos. We do, sir. This is this is the first time you've you've been on the show and we've had That's a voice memo. Right. He That's right. He hasn't done the others. So we have a food review from Stevo. Hi, 360 Vegas. This is Stevo again. 
like to share with you some of the places that we ate on our last trip to Vegas. One of the first places we visited was the PBR Rock Bar, located in the Miracle Mile of Shops, Planet Hollywood. I had the brisket salad. The salad was okay. The brisket was absolutely amazing. Very flavorful, extremely tender. We went in there about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Not too crowded. Nice happy hour, nice cold beers, good service. We found it to be a pretty solid place to eat. Another place totally. that we ate was the pepper. So can we do these audios like we would a review? Because I think that's way more fun. I don't care. Okay, so who goes to PBR Rock Bar and gets a salad? I love that. I'm that's sorry. That's clever as shit, though. A brisket salad? Like, that's one of the first <laughs> things I thought. I'm like, that is brilliant. It's kind of like but how But I love how, how he have... says, too, that yeah, the salad was okay, but the brisket was really good. Right. No, no, shit, just order the brisket. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I like it, though. It, it's That, that to me, encapsulates... Uh, encapsulates PBR Rock Bar. Like, they have the, the you know, ma- everybody's got mac and cheese. They have fucking Doritos crusted mac and cheese. Like, going, yeah, you get a salad, we'll throw a brisket on there. I'm like, fuck yes. That's PBR Rock Bar in a nutshell right there. Permil, very popular place in Las Vegas. Peppermill is kind of like a Denny's on steroids. <laughs> uh, the portions are good. The prices are really good. I'd say the food is good. It's not amazing, but it is good. It's got a great atmosphere in the Pepper Mill, located uh, north side of the Strip, just north of uh, the Wynn Hotel. For breakfasts, we mostly ate at Starbucks, had some oatmeal, a few other things. The best thing about oatmeal in Vegas is, is you're in Vegas. <laughs> Another place we ate it was the Yard House, located in the Link. Very solid place. Always good service there. It's got a nice big menu. Something for everyone. I had the ahi salad. Fed it there several times before. Very consistent. Great item. We also ate at the Tilted Kilt later on. We had some fish and chips. The Tilted Kilt is located in the link also. Fish and chips there. Very flavorful. A nice item on the menu. Service was good there as well. Another place we ate it was Rubio's. My buddy's a big fan of Rubio's, so we went over to Monte Carlo. And I uh, had some tacos. Somebody in our party had the fish tacos. Shortly after, had uh, a very close disaster pants call. Uh, I'm sure it had nothing to do with the uh, tremendous amount of alcohol that individual consumed <laughs> the night before and that day. Another place we ate was Rice and Company at the Luxor Oriental Restaurant. Very nice. Uh, we had the calamari there. It tasted pretty good, a little on the salty side, though. We had the hot dang roll, which was very flavorful. That's a, that's a great name. I, yeah, that is a clever <laughs> shit name. Hot dang roll. And one of the last places that we ate in Vegas was Nacho Daddy. Yes. Um, because at late at night, when you're in Vegas and you're drunk, you eat nachos. <laughs> we had the enchilada nachos, and they were absolutely amazing. Probably the best nachos that I ever had probably because I was in Vegas and I was drunk. <laughs> so, And that kind of wraps up the uh, places that we ate, so hope that uh, helps some people out. Doesn't, doesn't, isn't all food, especially bar food, amazing when you're drunk? <laughs> yes. Some yeah, of the but, best food you've ever had in your life is when you're drunk. <laughs> but I don't, I don't want to discount Nacho Daddy because it really is that good. Well, that's the great yeah. thing about Nacho Daddy is it's phenomenal when you're drunk and it's equally it's phenomenal, phenomenal when, when you're, you're sober. sober. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which but isn't I, always the case. <laughs> Steve-O kind of eats like I do. Yeah. He eats. I love how he's like, you know, 
we went to this first place and I had the salad with the brisket and then I went to the next place and I had a ahi salad. I'm like, the dude's eating really healthy, right? Um. I do the same thing when I'm sober. And then when I'm drunk as shit, I just order the fucking gut buster. I'll, uh, I will take the heart attack on a plate, please. I don't know why I was eating the salad earlier because now I don't actually have anything in my stomach to absorb the alcohol. Except so the alcohol. I'm doubly yeah. drunk. Nice. <laughs> well, and I never, I'm not even sure where Rubio's is in Monte Carlo. I don't think I've ever heard of it. I no, never heard. I'm not familiar with it. I mean, Yard House is obviously a favorite. Tilted Kilt is, is fine. Um, you know what? Tilted Kilt would be the best restaurant there is if Twin Peaks didn't exist. Well, no, I disagree with that because I think Twin Peaks has better food. No, I said if Twin Peaks didn't exist. Well, yeah. I mean, the only other one is Hooters, right? And well, that one's ex- well, exactly. <laughs> Tilted Kilt is way better than Hooters on so many levels. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, no, Twin Peaks is Twin Peaks, the Twin Peaks, yeah. Because uh, their food is really good right. and they have the 29-degree beer. So, I, yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for There's the graduated tier. Hooters, <laughs> Tilted Kilt, Twin Peaks. Exactly. Exactly. So, no, thank you, Stevo, for sending that in. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the audio. <laughs> and then we got an email from our buddy at Sky on the Rocks, otherwise known as Rob Taylor. You want me to do that one? I don't care. You do okay. that Sure. Go ahead. All right. So Rob writes us. Ha- so Rob. <laughs> Is this where we're going? Is this no, how it's going to be? Stop it. So Rob writes us, hi, Mark, Karen, Tony, Alistair, and crew. Tony, note where you were listed in the... I know. Paper. I want to know why I always have to go last. But you, you didn't go last. You weren't last. Middle. Then it's Karen. Then it's Tony. Uh, because I'm the wife. <laughs> I am the proverbial Jan of this <laughs> relationship. Hey, at least you were ahead of Alistair. That was what you were complaining about before. And, yeah, and, that's true. You're also not crew. <laughs> Yeah, you're not crew. You you have your own call out. Barely. <laughs> Come on. So sensitive. Right. Rob continues. First of all, or starts <laughs> after the introduction. First of all, due to a previously arranged fishing trip in northern Minnesota, I will not be able to join you guys at Vegas Vacation Five. All right, let me Aww. shut let me shut that down right off the bat. That is not an acceptable uh, excuse. A fishing trip somehow <laughs> trumps 360 Vegas vacation? Uh, that, that Outdoorsy seem, versus Vegas? Yeah, I don't understand. Doesn't seem reasonable in any, any context. Actually, actually, I think really we just wanted Kathy anyway. So uh, so if you could just send her along. Point. Hey, Kathy. Seem- Vegas indulgences. Right. Come hang out with us. Seems like a win-win. I know. <laughs> That being said, thank you again for Vegas Vacation 4 and see you all at Vegas Vacation 6, if not before. I wanted to share my thoughts about STK. First up, steak, five out of five stars. I had the filet and it was perfect. I normally do not partake in sauce, but I tried the STK sauce and it made the steak even more perfect. More perfect. Sides, three and a half out of five stars. We tested the mac and cheese and a bit of Alistair's pot pie thing with mushrooms, both just okay. Dessert, four out of five stars. A couple of us wanted dessert, so we had the warm chocolate chip cookie, and it was predictably good as a dessert centered around warm chocolate chips should be. Hmm. Ambiance, five out of five stars. Love that space. Cool place with the kind of lighting I like in a steakhouse. Very comfortable seats. Service, three and a half out of five stars. The server did nothing wrong. She was perfect in every serviceable aspect, including the splitting up of the tabs. 
However, I just picked up a vibe from her that we were on a tight schedule and there was a need to turn the table over in a certain amount of time. Mm. I'm sure tables needed to be turned over in all restaurants, but I never felt like it, like I felt it at STK. Mm. Overall, four and a half out of five stars. I loved it and would definitely return. I probably wouldn't have gone if not for Vegas Vacation 4, so thanks for setting it up. I'll forward that bit of audio on. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, here is my feeling on all the restaurants at Cosmo, and this is bolded and italicized. They try too hard to be different. In my opinion, Cosmo has the best restaurant lineup on the Strip, but for as unique as they all are, there is a cookie-cutter aspect to them. A couple of examples. Someone at our table, I think David from New Jersey, asked for a baked potato. They could not accommodate this. I know they bill us as not your father's steakhouse, but I was shocked when they wouldn't grant this request. This is kind of surprising. They can do a baked potato. Yeah, that's something that, as, as a picky eater, one of the things that I found comfort in is a lot of times you can go to a place by going, listen, listen, can I just, can I just get like a burger? Can I just get like a steak? Can you just... To dumb it down for me is what I what I need you to do. Right. And being in a situation like this would alienate the shit out of me. Just way too much anxiety. So that is kind of that's that's disappointing. It is disappointing. It's a good thing that you like their other sides there. I love the dumplings and small plates at Beauty and Essex. However, they do not have blue cheese olives. <laughs> okay, and as we know, Rob would find that necessary. <laughs> Some bars and restaurants do not, but as was the case downtown at Therapy, they usually say, I have the blue cheese and I have the olives, so I will stuff <laughs> stuff you a few. Aww. <laughs> this was not an option at Beauty and Essex. Even with a drink mixology menu as elaborate as they have, they will not step off the path to make a couple of stuffed olives. Everything seems gimmicky at the places at Cosmo. This will not keep me from returning in earnest to the restaurants at Cosmo, but it will prevent me from giving them five stars. Thanks again, Sky in the Rocks. That is a really astute observation. That's not something I would have ever thought of before, but after listening to it, you're like, going, fuck, he is right. I mean, well, like, I always knew they, they kind of had a bit of a, like, they, they're cookie cutter in the aspect that they are all just... So uniquely weird. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, it, and it is those kind of things where, where really, like, 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 <laughs> To the, to the point where, like, like, this is one of the things I've always complained about with chefs who get, get real shitty about, like, they won't put salt on the tables because you don't need to salt the food that right. I give you. I've already seasoned it. I'm like going, or, or, why don't I give you money, you give me food, and I'll fucking eat it however <laughs> I want to eat it. How about that? Yeah. How about you take a little less ego out of your fucking career or whatever, chef of one of eight billion fucking people on this planet? You know, just fucking relax. Yeah, I, I am disappointed to hear that feedback on Beauty and Essex because I loved that but restaurant. You, the food you was like amazing. like when people just give you shit and say, here, eat it like this. For the most part, yes, especially if it's someplace I haven't been before. I love to try new things, and I love to try them the way that the chef wanted to put them together. So I'm okay with that. Right. I am surprised that they wouldn't figure out how to stuff some olives for him. That to me just seems because again they have like a mixologist, right? And, and like they they little, specifically will mix drinks to match your food, right? And that, so, that it's that little bit of attitude, like no, we can't do that. Like going, you really, well, really can't do that. And you think about, and I don't remember the name of the restaurant, but it's the one that's the 
Chinese-Japanese-Mexican fusion place, which is the weirdest combination ever. Yeah. They do have really good tacos, but they're expensive tacos. It just, it's a weird mix. Milk is weird. Like that, that shop restaurant storefront is just weird. Egg slut is probably the most normal thing they have there. <laughs> um, well, or the Henry. Um, Henry. The cafe on the main floor. Sacred pizza. I mean, the, the only weird thing about that is it's, but it's secret. Yeah. I, I, I guess there is a, a weirdness to a lot of their food offerings. I get what he's saying. You know what it's almost like? It's, it's almost like all of them are either egomaniacs or fusion. Like that that's that's like everything at Cosmopolitan is Well, and the sad thing is I never would have thought of STK as being an e- egomaniac until he mentioned that the guy couldn't get a baked potato in a steakhouse. You can't get a baked potato? Like That, yeah, that is just really weird. That's unfortunate. That does, that, I feel bad. That does seem like the standard like off the menu kind of thing. It just seems like a standard menu thing, not off the menu, standard but menu. But I mean, but I mean like listen, we're not going to advertise it, but I mean, of course if you want a baked potato, we're well, going to have a baked potato. Uh, no, and I, I'll have to agree with that. If you're going to do baked potatoes, you're going to have baked potatoes. Otherwise, if you're doing some other kind of potato dish, if you haven't already baked a potato, it takes a long time to do it. Right. So if you have potatoes in the restaurant that you're slicing to do like a potatoes au gratin or something like that, that's one thing. If you order a baked potato at a normal steakhouse, they've already baked the potato. They just have to refresh it because it literally takes an hour. If you're truly going to bake a potato and not nuke it, it takes okay, a good but hour there is them. no steak place that doesn't serve some form of potatoes, and in any right. high-end place, you have to assume there it's it's made there, like it's it's a fresh right. version. They didn't do yeah. it, so there's got to be some variation of that already well, there. No, but that's what I'm saying. If you're just looking for an honest baked potato, there's a lot of dishes with potato in it, but they've probably already been chopped or sliced or whatever. If you just want a baked potato to get one of those, if they don't normally offer it it's not like they can whip it up they'll be sitting there going well we can get you one but it's going to take you an hour because we don't have any ready yeah. or conversely nuke it be like listen we don't traditionally do this and if you really want a baked potato we're going to put it in the microwave for seven and a half minutes yeah. so you're but, gonna get, you know. but that just doesn't taste the same the texture of those are right awful. And, then, and he wouldn't and, have been happy and then with you it. get a trip advisor review the guy talking about the baked potato they're shitty exactly like, hold on man hold on <laughs> well I guess that's uh, probably going to do it then for episode number 238. Thank you all for listening and downloading. We really do appreciate it. If you'd like to check out any of the stories on today's show, you can do so on the blog at 360vegaspodcast.com. You can support the show via purchasing things from our affiliates, such as Amazon.com, Tickets.AccessVegas.com, Earth Limos. You do get a 10% discount just by using the promo code 360Vegas, or you can always make a PayPal donation. Of course, you can always buy merchandise from our store, which is Zazzle.com forward slash 360. Wow. <laughs> you wow. were on a roll, dude. Come on. <laughs> of course, you can always buy merchandise from our store, which is Zazzle.com forward slash 360 Vegas. We do get a cut of those profits. Or you can help others find the show by reviewing us on iTunes. If you'd like to send us feedback, written or audio, much like our buddies Stevio and uh, I don't know if he goes by Stevio, that might be offensive. Stevo. <laughs> Stevio. And Sky on the Rock writes, if you'd like to have him sweeten your coffee. <laughs> little Stevio in your coffee. Yeah. Um, you can uh, do so by sending it to 360VegasPodcast at gmail.com. And if you aren't sure how to record audio with your smartphone and email it to the show, we do have instructions on how to do that as well. Just go to the blog's main page. Tony, where can people find you? 
I am at 360 Vegas Tony. Karen? I am at Karen Mark. He just told you where to find me, so until next time. Yeah.